Hello and welcome to Praying for You, the podcast. I'm Bob. I'm Nathan. I'm Abigail. And we are joining you today. We're going to be looking at John chapter 17 and we're picking up with our study of the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Uh, we see that there through our analytics, uh, I like using that word, it makes me sound intelligent, even though I are not. Um, but looking at our analytics, we know that we have some people joining us in uh, Germany, and so that's really exciting to have people listening on the continent of Europe now. So we have friends and family who are listening in Africa and Asia and Europe and um, Central and South America and all over the United States. So thank you all so much for, for taking the time to li- listen, and uh, please know that you are loved. You are loved and appreciated. If you are part of our family of faith, if you love Jesus, then know that you are celebrated and loved as a member of our family. And if you don't know Jesus, if you're thinking about it, and if you're curious about what all this Christianity stuff is about, well, please know that you're loved also. And we believe completely and with our whole heart that Jesus loves you and that he died for you and he wants to hear from you. And that's what our podcast is all about is uh, praying and uh, sharing needs, but also looking at what the Bible says about prayer, hopefully gaining some insight about our personal prayer life, because the more we learn about our loving Savior and our wonderful God, uh, I believe the closer we draw to Him and the more useful we become to Him. So today we're looking at John chapter 17, and uh, when we get into this in a minute, I'm going to ask uh, Nathan and Abigail to each share a passage of Scripture with us, and what we're looking is Jesus praying for our sanctification. Jesus praying for our sanctification. Uh, Remember that in John chapter 17, we call it the high priestly prayer. Um, Jesus is praying for his disciples who are with him then, his followers. He's praying for the situation he is facing, and he's praying for the future followers. He's praying for us. And that is just extremely encouraging and insightful into the heart and mind of God, which is the study of what, Abby? Theology? Theology, the study of God. Yeah, all right. Uh, Abigail and Nathan are both college students, and they took a break from their studies today to to, to get into the Bible study with us and to have a time of prayer. And um, so anyway, let's go ahead and look at John 17. Today our focus is going to be in verses 14 through 19 Mm -hmm. as Jesus prays for our sanctification. So let's pick up with John chapter 17. Starting with verse 14, and it says this. I'm reading from the New King James. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So we're looking at Jesus praying for our sanctification as he himself is sanctified. That word sanctification, you know, I think throughout history, people have taken it out of context, y'all. We hear about saints and we hear about um, people who have a special recognition because of, you know, miraculous things that happened in their life or things that happened around them. But when you look at the word sanctification and it's used throughout scripture, uh, its counterpart, a synonym for sanctification is also holiness. And another one is consecration or to be consecrated. So when you look at sanctification in its earliest or uh, basic etymological sense. It means to be set apart or to be set aside. But when you look at sanctification, along with consecration and holiness, these words in relationship to faith, it means set apart for a purpose. And through faith, sanctification means set apart for God's purpose. All right. So when you think of objects in the temple, they were made holy 
not because they how they were made or the object itself like you when you read in the old testament and you look at when they were uh outfitting the temple with things for sacrifices with stuff for the showbread with things for the incense a lot of them were very basic everyday items now yes they were made uh with a special intent and a special purpose but they were still relatively everyday items but what made them set, uh, sanctified or holy or consecrated was that they were set apart for a purpose in the temple. And the same thing applies to us. Uh, Peter tells us to be holy as he is holy. And I know some people who say, well, I, I'm not holy. I've, I've got made too many mistakes or I'm a new Christian and I don't understand this and I don't understand that. The most important thing to know is that if Jesus has set you aside to be his, you are sanctified. You're set apart. And as a result of being set apart, then in turn, you are to live a life revealing Christ that exposes who you are. It's a testimony of who you are. One of the things I say is Jesus is always concerned with the heart of the matter. And one of the difficult things, especially for new Christians, is we live in a I don't know how to put it. How would you guys put it? A kind of frou-frou world where everybody thinks that if you if 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 you're doing good things, then you're always going to have good in your life. That, that's taught. A lot of people talk about having a positive mental attitude. That you well, it's like good karma and bad karma. Yeah, karma, different things <clears throat> that way. They talk about shaping your surroundings or sending good vibes. Yeah, sending good vibes kind of thing. Yeah, you hear all these different things, all all these different phrases that talk about that. Well. Do I believe that if you show love and share love, you receive love back? Yes, I do. Do I believe that if you share God, if you share your faith, if you encourage people, then there will be people in your life who encourage you and God is going to bless you? Yes, I believe that. But do I also believe, and have I also experienced, that doing good on God's behalf many times creates enemies and results in conflict, most definitely. And I can promise you the same thing for you. And the reason why I can promise it is because Jesus said it was going to happen. Mm. And we're going to look at a few of these passages here in just a second. Because the thing is, if you are praying that God grants you guidance, and you begin to live a life of obedience, that obedience sets you apart. You may be in work doing the job that you're supposed to do as a faithful employee, glorifying God with your efforts. But when other employees begin talking badly about somebody else, spreading gossip, sharing vulgar stories, talking about the vulgar or lewd things that they did over their weekend or on vacation, and you politely excuse yourself or you just give them a nice nod, and you excuse yourself from those type of conversations not to be rude not to be impolite you can be very gracious about it but just because you don't want to be part of that conversation you don't want to expose yourself to all of that negativity and all of that stuff that has nothing to do with your life in christ people begin to see you how how do they look at you they look at you different first they look at you different and you know what? It's been my experience that over time, as people begin to look at you different, yeah, it's difficult. Uh, you feel ostracized. Sometimes you feel alone. Sometimes you feel rejected. All these different things happen. But Abigail, over time, if people recognize that you're the one that's different, what usually happens? They want to know why you're different. They want to know why you're different. Yeah. And I've seen that in both of your lives. You know, I've heard people ask you questions. Well, why don't you do this? Or why don't you act like a typical college student? Why don't you, why don't you do these things? Because then people begin to wonder what causes you to act so differently. And then that gives you an opportunity to share your faith. And that's what we look for is, and we hope for, that people recognize Jesus in us. And again, folks, it's not that we're, uh, I, I, for those of you that don't know, I write a blog, and it's on our band's website. Uh, some of you are finding our podcast 
through our website for the band we're in. Abigail is our singer-songwriter, and Samuel and I are in the band with her. And the name of the band is FACE. And it stands for Faith at Christ's Expense. And if you want to know more about the band, uh, you can go to facemusicgroup.art or facemusicgroup.com. And there's information there about the band, things that are going on, some stuff we have going on at the studio and performances. But also there's a blog there. And the reason why I bring that up is because recently I've been writing in the blog about joy, but I've been also writing about those things that set us apart and Really, it, it brings persecution. So anyway, let's get back to this. Uh, I kind of put a plug in for the for the website, but um, I do encourage you to go along with uh, what we're doing on the Praying for You podcast. Oh, also as a reminder, prayer requests, um, any insight, any questions, anything that you'd like to share with us, praying for you at praying for you and yours at Gmail. Uh, praying for you and yours at Gmail. That's the email address for the podcast. Um, so anyway, let's get back to the word. And so we're going to look at some things that Jesus said, the result essentially of sanctification. So Jesus said, we're picking back up with uh, John 17, verse 14. And he says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So through the word, uh, Paul said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we know that when we hear the word of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, also called the gospel, which just simply means good news, but it's specific good news about Jesus. That's the way we use the word gospel. It's about all the things that Jesus has done for us. So when we receive the word, Jesus shared the truth of who he is and what he does on our behalf. And he says, the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Well, if we're hated, if Christians are hated, how does anybody get saved and why do people still go to church? Well, the thing is, you got to think about that word world there. Jesus is not talking about every individual person who's on the planet. We're going to see in a minute that as the world hates us, then that draws attention to us and individuals, as Abigail was talking about a minute ago, are drawn to us. They want to know what's different about us. So when we talk about the world, we're not talking about every living person that exists on it, but we're talking about that system, that structure, the societal things that are, that are under the control and influence of Satan. When we look at what we'd say the world around us, we recognize that through media, through all sorts of different things, there is a spirit of Antichrist. And the letter of 1 John talks a lot about that. And when I say Antichrist, I'm not talking about a specific person or the book of Revelation or eschatology or the end times in that context. Antichrist literally means those things and people which are against Christ. And Jesus said, if you receive his word, that means to believe it, to trust in it, to rely upon it, the world is going to hate you. And as young Christians, many times people feel like, okay, now that I'm saved, my life is going to be perfect. It's going to be fantastic. Everything's going to fall into place. Spiritually, it may fall into place. With personal relationships, some relationships are going to be restored. Certain things that exalt God are going to fall into place. But the things that are remnants of your previous life that don't glorify God, as those things are stripped away, as those things are let go by you, that can create issues. That can create anger. And people wonder, hey man, why don't you go out drinking with me anymore? Why aren't we going to the same clubs we used to go to? Why aren't we watching the same things we used to watch? Uh, why aren't you doing all of these different things? And for people who are accustomed to you acting a certain way, and they consider you part of their group, one of their people, they can become very angry. And what if you're part of a religious group? Uh, we have listeners, I'm sure, uh, looking at the analytics, I'm sure we have listeners right now that are in an environment, if they were to publicly say, I love Jesus, I believe the Bible, they could be killed. 
They could be beheaded, stoned, ostracized, set apart, rejected, fired, all of these different things. Well, that's the world hating them. And I don't want to paint a bleak picture. I don't want to say that, you know, Christianity is all terrible. It isn't. We talk a lot about joy. There's so many things to rejoice about. Hope uh, brings joy. You know, the understanding of who Jesus is and all of the things he provides for us, place and purpose, all of that brings joy. Um, but, so let's get back to John 17, verse 14. I have given them your word. The world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So as Jesus is praying for us, he's not saying, Lord, the moment they get saved, remove them. I, you know, I've heard people over the years, especially in a, in a traditional church environment, say, man, it would be so much easier if the moment you got saved, Jesus took you straight to heaven. But then the thing is, who's left to reveal Jesus to the world? Who's left to do the work that Jesus has given us to do? And so Jesus is praying here. He's like, Lord, they are going to be in the midst of things that are hard. They're going to be people that greatly dislike them. They're going to be people that don't appreciate what they have to say. Even though they're doing good and even though they're showing love, they're going to be people who reject them and get angry at them for showing love. Remember one of the things I often say, hurting people hurt people. And the world around us is hurting. And as people are hurting, they express that anger. They express that depression. They express that frustration sometimes, unfortunately, in physical violence. And Jesus is saying, Lord, don't take them out of the world. Why not? Well, because if we're removed from the world, then we can't have a testimony. We can't uphold the truth of Jesus. We are not there to share. That means the kingdom of God ceases to grow. That means the world is left without hope. We are that important. When I tell you you're loved, I mean it. Jesus not only died to save you, to have you as part of who he is, to be part of his family. We are described as his family. We're described as his body. We're described as his bride. We're described as his kingdom. We're described as his ambassadors. We're described as his priests. He didn't save you for all that to happen someday and for it to happen in heaven. He saved you to have that relationship and for you to be that person now. And even though you're in the midst of the world system and those things that are aligned against you, Jesus is saying, Lord, keep them there. But as you keep them there, look at what he says, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So yes, the things of the world are going to be bad and there's going to be negativity and there's going to be difficult situations. But Jesus also prays for our protection and he lets us know that wherever we are, and later on, he tells his disciples that wherever we go, he is always with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And so here we see that I believe one of the things that we need to pray for, you know, and as we pray for missionaries and as we pray for people who are going on these mission trips and as we pray for our pastors and as we pray for all these different things, we also, we need to pray for their protection. Uh, I believe one of the things that Jesus was mentioning here to keep them from the evil one, you know, some people would say, well, that's just referring to, you know, keep them from financial issues or keep them from uh, travel difficulties, keep them from physical things. But I believe it's more spiritual here. The, the heart of this prayer is that people don't get distracted. What usually happens if you have a series and we've had these weeks Nate, when you have a series of what, you know, we call them crazy, stupid things happen. Mm -hmm. Like you have something that you really need to do, but then your car breaks down. You have assignments that you need to submit, and then your internet doesn't work. You have all of these different things going on, which seem one thing in and of itself isn't that big of a deal. But sometimes you have those weeks where it seems like you have 15 or 20 of them happening all within a two or three day period. What happens? How do people respond usually? Uh, sometimes people panic. 
panic, fear, fear, anxiety, just they can't really, I guess, deal with what's going on because it's all happening all at once. It's hard to cope. What would you say, Abs? You just start to question a lot of things about yourself and you get frustrated at your current situation and one thing kind of leads to another and it can set your mind on a, on a, an anxious path where then you, you can become anxious about other things that aren't even related to what's going on. Yeah. Just, it's a chain reaction of emotion sometimes. Yeah. See, you two have hit the nail on the head and, and I think this is what Jesus is praying about. That things happen around us because stuff wears out. Things break, car parts wear out, you know, stuff happens in our life and it's just because things wear out. Even our body wears out. You know, if you're doing extreme physical activity or something, if you're at work or whatever and you get injured, that's not always a curse. It's not something terrible. I mean, yes, the situation is terrible, but it's not a direct reflection of your spiritual life. Sometimes things just happen. We live in a world that's affected by sin. Things happen. But then what happens is if you have a bunch of things happen at once or within a close uh, close time frame, then as you said, Abigail, and you talked about Nathan, then you start questioning. Then your anxiety comes in. Then as your anxiety builds, then temptation grows. You know, when we're anxious, when we're frustrated, when we're discouraged, when we're angry, we have a temptation to sin. The Bible describes the enemy as a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. The Apostle Paul talks about him in Ephesians, gives a description of him really as like a master tactician. Somebody who knows exactly when and where to strike. So Jesus' heart for us is that we're in the world representing him as his ambassadors, as his priests. There's so many titles that describe who we are and what we do. But as we're doing that, he wants our hearts and our heads shielded from the attacks of the enemy. And the way we do that is through communication with God and staying in his word. And that's what we're doing right now. So let's finish looking at this. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And this is what he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So how are we protected? How are we shielded? Um, Jesus is praying for our protection from the evil one. Well, we are set apart because of the word of God in us. As we begin to live out the word, as we begin to bear the fruit of the spirit, and we'll be talking about that later, uh, I'm going to start blogging and writing some articles about that. As we begin doing those things that look more and more like Jesus, then we are set apart. That's sanctification. We're already set apart if we know Jesus in faith. We're already holy. Sometimes it just takes time. For people begin to see it clearly in our life. But we trust that by faith, Jesus has already set us apart. The word we, uh, the, the Greek word where we get church from, ecclesia or ecclesia, I've had different people pronounce it to me in different ways. But if you look at ecclesia or ecclesia, it literally means to be called out. You're called out of what? The world and set apart. So if you are part of the church, that means if you believe in Jesus, you are called out. You are now part of the church. You are part of the body of Christ. All of these different things applied to you. And because you are the church, because you are called out, you're separated for a divine purpose. That means you're sanctified. That means you're consecrated. So they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. I believe Jesus is talking about himself, the words he speaks, and the word of God about him. There's a dangerous thing that's been going around for a very long time, and it undermines so much of who we are as believers. Now, as you all know, 
we reach out across multiple denominational boundaries, people that we work alongside of, speak different languages, wear different clothes, listen to different kinds of music. There are a lot of cultural differences, but what unites us is a common love of Jesus, and we believe the truth of who Jesus is found in the Bible. But there are a lot of people who say the Bible contains some truth, but they reject God's big portions of God's word. You know, it's like smorgasbord theology. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a smorgasbord is, it's kind of, or a buffet. Uh, I know that we're spoiled here in the United States, but we have restaurants that are called smorgasbords or buffets. You pay one price, you go in. There can be up to two or three hundred different food items, and you go and pick what you want. You, 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 they don't make the plate for you. You make your own plate and you eat as much as you want and you pay one price. I know for some of our listeners that sounds gluttonous and ridiculous. Many times it is. But through a smorgasbord or a buffet, you pick the stuff you want. And if you ever watch a kid and they're, uh, or a young teenager, let's say, a young teenager and nobody's paying attention to them and they're just kind of eating what they want to eat. Uh, as a 12 year old Nathan, if we went to a large buffet or a smorgasbord, what were you going to get? Sugar. Sugar. Cookies, cakes, you know, go straight to there. Straight to the dessert section. Yep. Yeah. Ice cream. Yeah. And you're going to fill up on that. Now, is a little bit of it bad? No, probably not. Well, I think all sugar is pretty bad, except through some fruit. But anyway, that's a different discussion. But you're going to eat the things that aren't the most nutritionally beneficial. You're not going to eat the things that uh, are going to make you feel good for the long term. You're going to eat the things that make you feel what? Pretty bad. Yeah, eventually you're going to feel bad, but how are you going to feel in the moment um, you eat it? In the moment I'm going to eat it, I'm going to feel pretty good. You're going to feel real good, and you're going to get a sugar high. I mean, sugar is as addictive as many drugs, and so you're going to get a quick rush. You're going to get an immediate burst of energy. You're going to feel great because you took what you wanted. Not what you needed. What, what Not what you needed. And then what happens maybe an hour or two after you eat all that sugar? Get sick, or you feel sluggish and... You crash. You crash. We call it a sugar crash. You go from a sugar high to a sugar crash. Your body doesn't have the protein. It doesn't have the building blocks. It doesn't have all the stuff it desperately needs to grow and mature because you filled it up with what you wanted instead of what you needed. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people in immaturity and for different motives treat the word of God that way. Mm. They don't see the word as truth. They don't say the word is truth. They say the word has some truth. And they pick the points that they want to satisfy an argument or to make them feel good in the moment, but not what is best for them in the long run. Mm. So we need to be very careful about that. You know, I, I think it's great to have a favorite verse. I think it's great to have motivational passages of scripture. I think it's amazing when you memorize those passages that become important to you, especially in times of need. But don't just sit there and hang out on a few select verses because you think that's all you need for the rest of your life. The full counsel of God is important. The total truth of who he is. Seek him out. Learn more. Grow in grace. Be challenged in your daily walk. Don't just be a, a buffet Christian that picks and, chooses, picks and chooses the sweets. Be the type of person that says, Jesus, I want all of you and you have all of me. So, he says, you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Again, the importance of going to the word of God and taking all we need. So Jesus prays for our sanctification. He prays that we're set apart. And in praying for that, he recognizes that we are going to be looked at differently. And there are going to be people who hate us. Jesus put it like this over in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. 
If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Folks, Christianity is not a popularity contest. And then you may say, well, then how do people get saved? Salvation, Christianity, the kingdom of God. We talk about it in large concepts, the kingdom, all these types of things. But it boils down to one person having a relationship with another person. It boils down to you having a relationship with God through Jesus. And that is what Christianity is all about. Yes, we come together as a group. Yes, we celebrate as the body. Yes, we celebrate as the church. Yes, we do these things. But it is all founded on an individual relationship with God. And the world, the system, the structure may hate us. But yet in the midst of it, there will be those people who ask important questions as we reveal Jesus and people will continue to get saved. Uh, Abigail, I asked you to read a passage of scripture. What are you reading from? Uh, I'm going to be reading from 2 Timothy <clears throat> chapter 2, verses 10 through 15. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and should live soberly, righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that we might, I'm sorry, that he might redeem us from every law I'm sorry, every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. So I love what he's saying there to Timothy. He ends that statement, let no one despise you. In other words, it means let no one put you down to the point where you stop speaking. So he's warning him, you know, these things are going to happen. There are going to be people who hate you for the testimony of Christ, but yet in the midst of it, individuals are still going to get saved and it's worth it and don't let anyone despise you that means like i said before don't let anybody tear you down to the point that they shut you up you know again we don't reach out in anger we never advocate violence we serve a savior who died for us and asks us to be willing to die for him and that's the greatest demonstration of love according to the bible um, so we're not talking about spewing anger and things that way at people. We're talking about sharing a message of love that many people find unpopular because it challenges the way they live. Now, uh, Nate, I asked you to share a passage of scripture, and where's that from? Yes, I'll be reading from First Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. For this is commendable, if because of... Con For this is commendable... If because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps. Amen. Thank you both so much, and I appreciate it. Uh, before we get into our prayer time, do either of you have any questions or comments or anything you'd like to, to wrap up the study time with? Well, I appreciate you both being here so much, and uh, we'll continue to hear from Abigail and Nathan in just a minute. We'll ask them to pray. Um, as always, we'll be praying for you, our listeners, and uh, please share prayer requests, insights, questions, comments. If we say something that makes you mad, I, I want to hear about that too. I want to enter a dialogue. I'd love to talk about it. And maybe I did say or do something that isn't right according to scripture. I want to be called out. I want to know. I want to be a person of truth, a person of love. And uh, sometimes it's an accidental slip of the tongue or it's a momentary lapse. 
but um, maybe there is something that you could show me in the word where I need need to grow and to mature in and I would appreciate that so again our email address is praying for you and yours at gmail praying for you and yours at gmail uh, now let's get into a time of prayer uh, we have a very long prayer list and for the sake of time uh, sometimes what we do is break it up into different sections today because of some of the recent prayer requests I want to really focus in on praying for our pastors and also, uh, before I mention some of our pastors, uh, there was a prayer request mentioned, along with the floods that happened not too long ago in eastern Kentucky, and uh, there were groups that we, um, especially our, our home church and other groups, were getting resources together and materials to go up there to, to minister to the flood victims in eastern Kentucky. Well, then just the other day, uh, we had a couple of communities that were devastated by floods in northwest Georgia. So uh, we're still waiting to hear back from them. It looks like the relief efforts were got there quickly and it wasn't as severe as it was in eastern Kentucky. But if your home is destroyed and you lost everything, uh, it's tragic and it's difficult and it's hard. And whether it happens to one family or 100,000 families... Uh, we can be faithful in praying for them and praying for those teams of people that are there ministering to them and that the right resources go to the right place at the right time. And I know that as uh, uh, God has blessed us so much as a nation and there are other people around the world, uh, brothers and sisters that are in difficult situations, and yet even in that, God uh, calls people up to come alongside of other people and to be a blessing. So we have two regions in the United States, and there are several other things going on the West Coast, some possible hurricanes, but uh, we did have some specific requests for the to remember the flood victims. Also, uh, Brother Marshall spoke with him recently, and he shared an update from Pastor Bob in Zimbabwe. Uh, Rosemary and Robert and Robert's father, they were the ones who were attacked and severely mauled by the hyena. It, it almost seems surreal to say that statement. Um, but, you know, I just recently heard of a lady the other day that was mauled and uh, nearly killed by a pack of dogs in a neighborhood in the United States. So animals and wild animals, if you're not careful around them, um, you know, and the situation was uh, Robert and Rosemary were attempting to, to, to defend their farm in Zimbabwe from a hyena. Robert was attacked first, then Rosemary and Robert's dad, and uh, Rosemary took the brunt of the attack, but they are recovering. Um, Rosemary lost both of her hands. Robert and his father were both severely injured. This is going to be an extremely long period of recovery, but they're alive, and please be in prayer for their family. And Pastor Bob, uh, he shared that... Um, He's very encouraged because his ministry is expanding and he's going to have opportunities not only ministering to the men's prison, but they're going to have ministry now into the ladies' prison. So even in the midst of uh, a terrible situation, God is continuing to open doors for service. And so, Pastor Bob, I want to start off today remembering him. Also, Brother Marshall. Well, let's talk about the pastors first and we'll get into several who have upcoming trips. So please... Uh, Share and celebrate with us that Pastor Bob's ministry in Zimbabwe is expanding, but yet he also um, needs encouragement and as he continues to minister to his family. Also, Pastor Richard and Accra, uh, let's continue to remember him and his family. We have Pastor Ken in Kentucky, uh, a prayer request for him because he's recovering from surgery. Also, a Pastor Jim in Northwest Georgia, Pastor Josh in Florida. Pastor Jeff in Northeast Alabama, and I know they all start with J. That's just the way it happened. So please be in prayer for your pastors, your spiritual leaders, your Bible teachers, those who are encouraging you. Uh, Nathan and Sam was in a Bible study group last night, and the Bible study teacher is a guy named Steve, mm -hmm. and he's uh, a dear brother in the Lord, and they were so encouraged about that. And even though Steve isn't fulfilling the role of a pastor as far as an office is concerned, he definitely has a pastoral ministry to young people, and he's a, a, a student of the Word, and I praise God for that. So as we're praying for our pastors, 
pray for those people who are pastoring in your life. And what I mean by that is maybe there's a person in your life who doesn't go by the title of pastor. Maybe in your community, they're called elder, bishop, apostle. Uh, maybe they're not called any of those terms. Maybe they're just called brother. Maybe they don't have a title at all, which is, I think, just fine. I don't have any titles. But it's somebody in your life that reveals Jesus and shares his word with you and grants you guidance. That's being a pastor, guiding people, equipping and sharing with people. So as we pray for pastors, let's also pray for those who are spiritual leaders in our lives, who are encouragers to us, and who are fulfilling a pastoral role. We need to pray for them because the word of God talks about accountability. And accountability is on the teacher. And so anyone who shares the word of God is accountable to the truth and also for the love of God. So let's be in prayer for our pastors. Um, let's see if I'm looking through here. Those are them. The upcoming trips. Brother Marshall has his trip to Kenya in October. Remember, Jacks and the Seeds of Faith ministry team are heading back into Belize also in October. Uh, I have a, a friend, Brother Monty, who on business will be in South Africa. I don't know if he's in Namibia and Mozambique. I need to follow up with him. But He's a brother in the Lord, and wherever he is, he shares Jesus, and so those are important trips. He'll be traveling from Florida to Africa. He's, he's South African, um, so let's please be in prayer for him. Also, our brother Chad in Central Florida. Um, Chad, we will be interviewing him as soon as we can. He's getting ready to take a trip. I'm not at liberty to discuss it, but please remember Chad and um, what they will be doing. Um, also, we've heard more people, I don't have specifics and details, uh, but we have heard of people who have come to know the Lord recently, and there are those who are praying for them that they will stay the course. And as we pray for pastors, pray for these new Christians. Pray that people come into their path that grants them godly guidance and encouragement. They need encouragement to stay the course, to stay focused. Now, there are a lot of other prayer requests, and if we're not mentioning your request today, please don't be frustrated with us. We're going to circle back around to it. And there's one more thing I want to mention. Um, recently, we had a focus on Africa. We're going to come back around to that with Brother Marshall. We'll look at that a little bit more. But uh, I was informed about something called the uh, diaspora in Ghana. And the diaspora is used in a lot of different contexts. It means a departure, and it's about people that leave a particular reason. Uh, sometimes there's a, a diaspora as a result of warfare, political conflict, uh, economics. There are different reasons why people leave their home country. So over the years, there's been a lot of people who have left Ghana for education, for um uh, economic reasons for work and things that way. But Ghana also 400 years ago was a place to where a lot of people were taken away in captivity. And those scars still run very deep. And it's a tra one of the world's greatest travesties. I don't think we talk about it enough, um, but that was one of the places where the slave ships would dock began with the Portuguese, continued on through the English, and where people were taken into captivity and taken away from their friends and their family and their loved ones. The Ghanaian government over the past couple years, through different boards and tourism industries, things that way, have been encouraging Ghanaians and other people of African descent to come to Ghana to visit on tourism, to do things that way. And it's been hugely successful. Um, I've, I've had our, our family members share with me about all the business opportunities this has created and all the different things that are going on. The reason why I bring this up, and we'll be looking and highlighting other situations like this around the world, is because wherever there's an economic revitalization, wherever there's a people group that is uniting for different reasons, there's opportunities to share Jesus. It provides a wonderful platform for the gospel. I mean, think about it. You could be in the uh, Accra. You could be in Accra at one of these big events that are going on, encouraging people of Ghanaian descent to come back from all over the world. And you would have people there who are from the United States, from the UK, from different countries in Europe, from different countries in Central South America, and from all over Africa in one audience. And imagine if 
Several of those get saved and took Jesus back with them wherever they went. It reminds me so much of Acts chapter 2, where Peter was preaching and there were people there for a festival, for a celebration, for a Jewish feast, and thousands of them got saved. And then from there, they took the gospel with them all over the world. Ghana is predominantly a Christian nation. We have Christian family there. This is a wonderful opportunity to have a worldwide impact. So as we're praying for our pastors and our spiritual leaders, uh, I also want us to pray for Brother Fred in Ghana. Uh, Brother Fred is a minister, but he's also um, a government official in Adiklu, but he has other things that he's doing uh, as part of the initiatives. Anyway, these things that happen as Christians, we need to be aware of them because it creates spiritual opportunities. I praise God that there are financial opportunities. I praise God that people are being blessed through it. Those things are important. We need to provide for our families. The Bible honors hard work. We should honor people in our lives who work hard and glorify Jesus. But we should also look at these as great opportunities to share Jesus with the world around us. And so that's what I want to be praying for, is that as these special things continue in Ghana, that the result would be a great awakening and a worldwide revival. And it would thrill me to no end to see it started there and spread throughout the world. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Mm -hmm. So uh, enough of my rambling. Please remember these prayer requests. Praying for you and yours at gmail.com if you want to send those in to us. And let's get into a time of prayer. I'm going to ask Abigail to pray. Then Nathan, after she finishes, you pray, and then I'll close this out. Lord God, <clears throat> I lift Marshall to you, Lord Jesus, as he prepares to go to Kenya. Lord uh, Jax and Angela and others who are preparing for Belize. Lord, that the resources would be there um, in these efforts, if it is your will, Lord, and that you would protect them. Um, Jesus, please give wisdom to Chad and uh, to Fred and Ghana and all that he has going on there. Lord, please, um, the floods that have taken place in Georgia, please let that be an opportunity for the gospel to be shared mm. uh, through um, the efforts to help those who are affected by the floods. Um, Lord God, uh, the family that is recovering from the hyena attack, Lord, I ask that the rest of their recovery would be very quick. And Lord, that they can return to a form of normality um, and comfort in the midst of the things that they have lost, Lord, that you would, um, that their bodies would otherwise be very healthy. And Lord, um, pastors Bob, Richard, Ken, Jim, Josh, and Jeff, and other teachers and spiritual leaders that we've talked about, Lord, that they would have wisdom, Lord Jesus, that the gospel would be spread through them. And then those who have recently been saved, um, Jesus, that they would have guidance uh, that they would have other people in their life who can um, encourage them and and keep them focused on the right things. Lord, I just want to say uh, just thank you for this day and uh, thank you for this time that we have this privilege and this gift that we have today to come together in your word and be able to talk to you. And uh, well, I just Lift up all these people that we mentioned up to you, Lord. And I have faith that whatever they they look to you, that the that their needs will be that their needs will be met. Jesus, you are worthy of celebrating. You are worthy of our worship. Our words of praise fall short when we talk about who you are and what you've accomplished for us. But Lord, we are so grateful that even in our shortcomings, our frailties, our inabilities, you take joy in us. You love us. You celebrate us. And Jesus, we thank you so much for that knowledge and the encouragement it brings and for the strength that you provide. And Lord, we're so grateful for the presence of the Holy Spirit that through him we have continuous abiding fellowship with you. And Father, we can be in communion with you and know your will and your purpose and your plan. And we are so grateful for these things. So Jesus, we say thank you and we celebrate you. 
Lord, we thank you for the good news about Robert and Rosemary and Robert's dad. But Lord, it's going to be such a long, long road of recovery. And Lord, we thank you for the celebration that Pastor Bob has for the expanding ministry opportunities. But Lord, he needs strength. He needs resources. And Lord, we lift our pastors to you, our spiritual leaders, those who encourage us in the faith. Keep us focused on your word. Those that we know who are dear friends and family who are taking your word around the world. And Lord, who are encouraging Christians in other places. Lord, we don't think just because we're Americans we have all the answers. We just want to go and share you as you provide opportunity. And to see you lift up people all over this world. Different languages, different skin tones. All of these things, Jesus, reveal your glory your love of diversity, but yet you're also, you also have a singular purpose. So Lord, in the midst of the diversity of the people you created, we see your purpose of showing love. And we say thank you for that. Lord, I, as I mentioned before, I, we were talking about the, the, the Ghana diaspora and all of the activities that are going around that. But Lord, I think about other events that are going to be happening in the near future in different places around the planet. And Lord, these are such wonderful opportunities to be engaged with people from all over the world and to share your life and your love with them. And Lord, to be a light for you. And so Lord, I pray for our brothers and sisters in Ghana, our pastors there, our spiritual leaders there, that, Lord, they can look beyond all of the hype and all the excitement and all the fun part of it, Lord. And we, we celebrate that and we thank you for the family-friendly fun. But, Lord, we also look to the spiritual needs of the people that are going to be there. And, Lord, they need you. And so this could be a tremendous opportunity of renewal, of revival, and of great awakening. So, Lord, we pray for that. And we seek you on their behalf. And Lord, we lift these other requests that have been mentioned, trusting in you, hoping, Lord God, that you're, uh, you know, Lord, I don't want to use the word hoping as a verb. It's a noun. It's something we have. We have hope. And that hope is in you. And that hope is founded on the knowledge that your word never is empty or without effect. It's never void. It always contains power. And Lord, even though we know that Christianity is not a popularity contest, it's not about pleasing everyone we meet. It's about sharing love and speaking truth. Lord, we know this is difficult. We know that we have brothers and sisters around the world that put their life on the line every time they share you. And Jesus, they need your encouragement. They need your equipping. They need your protection. But Jesus, you are worth it. Lord, you are so worth it. So Lord, we pray for our listeners today, whatever situation they may be in. Lord, allow them to feel your presence. Allow them to feel your love. Lord Jesus, if someone's listening, if they don't know you in faith, Holy Spirit, we pray that you encourage them, that you draw them, that you convict them, that you reveal to them the beauty of Jesus so they can have hope in faith. And Lord, we lift our listeners to you. They have many requests in all sorts of places. And Lord, it would be difficult to even comprehend some of the difficulties these people are facing because I am so spoiled where I live. Lord, I know that you are completely aware of their needs and I trust in you to bless them. So Jesus, we celebrate you today. We thank you and we ask for these blessings that you may be glorified our King. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Well, Abigail, Nathan, thank you so much for... Uh, doing this with me today. Do you guys have any other comments or insight or questions or anything? I don't believe so. Nate, you all set? Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. We love you and thanks for listening.